Welcome to the Everyday Health Podcast. Join Dr. Carlos as he takes a broad look at the medical world. This podcast focuses on the health topics that affect everyone. Now, here's your host, Dr. Carlos. Welcome back, folks. Hey, we got a great guest today, Dr. Scott Forbes, a.k.a. Dr. Creatine. So I kind of figure out what we're going to be talking about today, creatine. He's a primary interest is in sports science and has focused on various nutritional and training interventions to enhance athletic performance. You can find him at Brandon University. His email there is ForbesS at BrandonU.ca. ForbesS at BrandonU.ca is an adjunct professor, faculty of kinesiology and health studies at the university. He was actually uh, or affiliated with the University of Virginia. He's also a research affiliate with the University of Manitoba Center on Aging. And we're going to be talking about creatine today. So I can't wait to get into this conversation. Before we do, make sure to share, subscribe, hit that like button. You know, we like it. Let's not waste any more time. Welcome to the show, Dr. Forbes. Welcome, sir. Happy to be here. Thank you very much for doing this. It's kind of funny because I know a lot of people say creatine's a done deal. <laughs> we know creatine works. Um, like I mentioned before, I was a trainer over a decade ago and it was hot back then. Actually, I think it was just coming out on the scene in the 90s. When I was training, oh, maybe late 1998, 99, something like that, it started popping up. Um, I guess my first question for me of interest would be, has creatine changed at all in the last 20 years? Are you familiar with that at all? Um, so the product itself hasn't really changed. It's still creatine monohydrate is creatine monohydrate. Um, there's uh, essentially two places in the world that um, – make the supplement. One is China and one is Germany. And uh, most of the research ever published on creatine monohydrate is from, from Germany. So that's one of the kind of the best places to get kind of pure creatine monohydrate. And a lot of the products that are out there on the market um, use that particular um, product that's created in Germany in, in their own products. And then they put their label on it and, and sell it for a variety of different prices. But um, yeah, it's creatine monohydrate is creatine monohydrate, which hasn't really changed in the last uh, 20 years. That's fascinating already. Um, do the companies show where they're made, where it's made or no? Like a clothes, uh, you know, a clothes has made been in China or anything like that. Do they show that or no? Um, I'm not 100% sure what they show, uh, but uh, yeah, so, but uh, Crea Pure is that company in Germany. And so I, I believe that they they put that label on most products that that uh, use that particular supplement. That's interesting. I mean, no offense to China, but you know people get leery sometimes <laughs> of some of their products. So, and I'm not going to name products just because <laughs> that could be problematic too. That's very fascinating too. So Crea Pure is the one that signifies that it's coming from Germany. Yeah, I'm actually looking right now at one of the products. Um, I'll leave it nameless for right now. It says quality promise, tested and trusted. Yeah, it doesn't. It's not giving me where they're getting it from. That's interesting. I'll have to do some more research on that and find how that works out. Yeah, right out of the get go, you got this interesting. All right. Um, I guess my other question has been: I've only seen one individual so far. I haven't looked that hard, but I've only seen one individual who kind of told, discussed the difference between. I think it's HCI. 
if I'm correct, that type of creatine versus monohydrate. And he was yeah. talking about the differences on that. But what do you say about that? Yeah, so uh, HCL. HCL, um, there you go. Yeah, so there, there are, there's about uh, 20 plus different alternative forms of creatine. 20? Uh, <laughs> yeah, so there, there's quite a few in the market. And uh, they try to uh, um, kind of sell you on those products. So there was actually a recent systematic review and meta-analysis, which... Basically, they bring all the studies that have um, compared creatine monohydrate to other creatine uh, alternative forms, and they tried to distinguish whether, you know, there are other alternative forms that are better than just creatine monohydrate. But the conclusion of the study was that there is no strong evidence that any other type of creatine is better than creatine monohydrate. And then at the end of the day, we know that creatine monohydrate is very safe. As a supplement, it's it's the most studied form of creatine, and we also know that uh, creatine monohydrate is the uh, cheapest form of the uh, creatine supplements as well. So that's always my recommendation, at least based off the evidence and being a cheap guy, is that uh, yeah, creatine monohydrate is the go-to form of creatine at this moment. God bless it, because it's uh, at least when I've used it, it works very effectively. <laughs> I've loved it. Um, now I did when, when I was watching that one, I'll just leave him nameless because I don't want to pick on other people, but, um, he was mentioning that the HCL, one of the distinctions was that the HCL, you have to take less quantity because of some kind of chemical thing they did to it. That's different than creatine monohydrate. So monohydrate you have to have, well, we'll find out from you later on, but they say you need to have five grams of pop and the HCL is like a little tiny spoonful, a little sucker, which is tart as heck. Um, what's your take on that? Yeah, so again, um, maybe it can enhance absorption a little bit, but actually creatine monohydrate is absorbed very, very well, about 99%. Um, so even if, uh, you know, this creatine H HCL could actually enhance creatine absorption, it could only go up about 1%. Um, so, and, and the other thing to take note is that it's often much more expensive. So again, um, it's, it's probably not worth it. And then from a performance standpoint, it makes absolutely no difference. So maybe you can take a little bit less of this creatine HCL, but uh, yeah, it's not actually going to uh, get more creatine into your muscle over time, and it's not going to change performance over time. All right. Interesting. Um, and I guess now I will go into that other question as some people have argued, this is, I guess I've seen a lot of debates on, on, on channels and blogs and stuff about creatine you need five grams a day some people say you need to load you need to upload that the loading phase of 20 whatever it is but i've never seen anything i guess it's a two-part question what is that and then the other part is i've never seen a distinction between height and weight or at least weight and exercise activity but i'll, I'll throw that up for you yeah so those are that's that's a great question um and there's a variety of different ways that i can approach that so typically when we think about uh kind of creatine monohydrate or creatine supplementation, we're focused on the muscle. So about 95% of creatine is stored within the muscle. But we also know that creatine can influence other tissues in our body. And there's some evidence that it can enhance our bone strength as well, um, and also influence uh, cognition. And so the dose response or the amount of creatine that you need to influence some of those other tissues has not been well explored in the literature. So my answer right now is going to focus on what we know from the muscle level. 
And what we do know is that if you, um, if you take a loading phase, which is traditionally 20 grams a day, and uh, you typically separate that into four different doses. So you'll take five grams four times throughout the day to achieve that 20 grams. You do that for five to seven days and you will load your muscles with creatine. They will become saturated with creatine. And then you can drop to a maintenance dose, which is traditionally about three to five grams a day. We also know that if you just take three grams of creatine per day, you can saturate your muscles, but it will just take a little bit longer period of time. So instead of saturating your muscles in five to seven days, your muscles will be saturated with creatine in about 28 days. So you do not need to take that, do that loading phase if you're uh, just taking creatine for kind of the long-term health benefits and you're just focused on kind of enhancing muscle performance. All right. we, might need, we might need a little bit more creatine to, uh, to impact other tissues like, like bone strength um, and then also to get creatine into our brain as well. It might require a higher dose, but again, that's, that's not well explored. And then you also asked, uh, um, does a bigger person actually need more creatine? And again, this, this question is not very well explored in the literature. No one's actually compared absolute mm. dosing to relative dosing, so relative to your body weight. But uh, a lot of labs have used relative dosing strategies, and we know that that is very effective. And it kind of makes sense that a bigger person that has more muscle and can store more creatine, and they use up more creatine each day, um, they might actually need a little bit more. So uh, a lot of research done by myself and Dr. Darren Kandow, um, a collaborator of mine, we use a relative dosing strategy of just 0.1 grams of creatine per kilogram of body weight per day. And so a bigger person will take a little bit more smaller person will take a little bit less. Quite one. Okay. So wow, shoot. I'm, I'm about 90 kilograms. Yeah. So about nine grams per yeah. day. Of yeah. <laughs> that's a hell of a lot. I'm taking about five. All right. So that's double. All right. Thank God it's cheap. All right. Um, <laughs> now, now I lost my question. I, well, I, I, I'm not sure this is, I'm sure you know this, but, but the metabolic process, how does it work when it gets into our system does it go through our, I'm not sure if you're familiar, if it goes through our intestine, does it pass through our liver? Is it doing anything of that sort? Yeah, so um, once it's absorbed into the bloodstream, um, it's taken up primarily into the, into the muscle. So about, as I mentioned, about 95% of creatine is transported into the muscle. And this is done by a, a creatine transporter. So you need, that, uh, you need that creatine transporter. And that creatine transporter is influenced by few factors, but one of them is insulin. And so if you consume, for example, creatine with a carbohydrate or a protein that stimulates insulin, that will help with creatine uptake into the muscle. So that's one strategy that if you want to kind of maximize the benefits of creatine, at least over the short term before until it gets saturated is, uh, yeah, consume creatine with a carbohydrate or a protein that stimulates insulin. You read my mind and, exactly where I was going with it. <laughs> yeah. Then once it's in the muscle, um, uh, it gets converted or about two thirds of it gets converted into phosphocreatine hmm. and phosphocreatine can be broken down very rapidly into ATP and ATP is the energy currency within the muscle. 
So that the the best thing about that particular energy system is there's only uh, one enzyme involved and it can happen very rapidly. So if you're doing any sort of explosive activity like lifting weights or sprinting upstairs, you're going to be utilizing this energy system um, at least in the, the initiation of that kind of uh, exercise. Um, it has a short capacity, so it only lasts about eight to 10 seconds in duration before that energy system is depleted. And then you have to rely on other energy systems like glycolysis or uh, oxidative phosphorylation or aerobic system and things like that. So um, the good thing about it is it's really, really fast and powerful. The bad thing about that energy system is it only works over the short term and then you need to give yourself some rest and allow that energy system to recover. Let me ask you this. Um, now I'm kind of curious. If, if I, I tend to mix it, I put it in a glass, a, you know, whatever the five, the scoop, five grams, and then I put in something else like beta alanine and some other stuff. And then I, you know, drink that, but I drink it during the workout. Is that going to have the same impact or does it have to be taken all at once? Should it be taken 30 minutes before the workout? What's your, how do you maximize that for resistance training? Yeah. So that's, that's a great question. We actually did a study where we gave creatine um, during a training session. Hmm. And so they took just a sip of creatine after each set. And uh, what <laughs> we found was compared to placebo, that that was a very effective uh, strategy. So creatine worked if you consumed it, during your training session. So that's perfectly fine to do. And um, we've also compared taking creatine before and after training. And uh, we actually found no difference. Um, hmm. Whether you took creatine before training or after training. And there's actually there's only one study that has looked at if you take creatine, uh, it was a creatine containing supplement. So it contained other things as well. So kind of a cautionary note that it might not be um, just due to the creatine, it could be due to the other things that were in that particular supplement. Um, but they found that taking that supplement close to their training session led to better gains. So they got bigger and stronger muscles over the training period compared to taking that supplement um, greater than five hours, either uh, before and after the training session. So taking it close to training is, is probably recommended. But uh, it doesn't matter if you take it before, during, or after training. They're all the same. So there's no statistical significance at all in any of those three. All right. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Anytime, whatever your preference is. So that's, that's kind of good to know. You mentioned something, but I might have misheard it. You mentioned about, I think it was you were talking about the ATP and how fast that depletes. But how long does creatine stay in your system? Because uh, we know you load it up every day, but is it how, how fast does it get out of there? Yeah. So you lose about... Uh, uh, one to 2% per day. Um, so you lose about one to two grams of creatine per day. Oh, wow. So, okay. um, yeah, so you need, you need to replenish that. So it's, it's non enzymatically. So it doesn't involve an enzyme for the breakdown of it and it gets converted into, uh, creatinine. And then that goes through your, uh, liver and your kidneys and you excrete it. Mm. Um, so that's, yeah, that's a byproduct of, of creatine breakdown or creatine metabolism. Now, now I can see why they call you Dr. Creatine, that's for sure. Let me ask you this. Um, <laughs> how does it, uh, I lost my train of thought, but I have another question, so I'll come back to the other one in a minute. <laughs> other question is, is there anything that has a nullifying effect to it? In other words, if you combine it with um, 
citrulline or anything else, does anything counter the effect of creatine? Yeah, so potentially caffeine does. Oh, wow. Um, so that's, yeah, and uh, there's, so they have a, an opposing effect within the muscle on its uh, part of the muscle is known as the sarcoplasmic reticulum and it releases calcium and calcium is important for a muscle contraction to occur. Um, but they have opposing effects on the sarcoplasmic retic- reticulum and, and calcium handling. And so we actually tried to answer the question because um, this was in theory and there's a few individuals, Eric Trexler, he's a, a kind of a, a big deal in the sport nutrition world. Um, he wrote a review looking at the impacts of creatine and caffeine. And I, I believe it was in, uh, in collaboration with Abby Smith Ryan, who's another uh, great sport nutritionist as well. Um, but uh, they had this theory. And so we wanted to investigate it. So we did a training study where we gave um, individuals either just creatine, uh, just caffeine, or we also gave a placebo or the combination of creatine and caffeine. <laughs> And we measured muscle growth and, and uh, muscle strength adaptations. And for the most part, um, there was no interference effect. But for one of the sites for, for uh, quadriceps or knee extensors, there was an interference effect. So we found that if you took mm. creatine, your quads got bigger. But if you took creatine and caffeine, they didn't get as big compared to just taking creatine alone. And so... Um, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. I would say one important aspect was, uh, that particular study was cut short because of, uh, the pandemic. And so we didn't get to the sample size that we, um, really required to have really good confidence in the study. And so it was a bit of a kind of a pilot work and we got it published, but, uh, definitely more research needs to be done to confirm that that interference effects actually occurs. In the meantime, I, I think it's fine to combine creatine and caffeine together and, and not freak out about that one particular outcome. But if you are, you know, really cautious and really want to maximize everything, I would suggest to, just to take uh, caffeine before you exercise and then creatine after you exercise. That's interesting. I, I don't remember that. Like I said, I've, I've been out of the game for about 15 years. And uh, I don't remember that much. It was, used to be ephedra. It was back when I was playing around. I don't know how old you are, but I'm 50. But back then, it was ephedra was the big dog. <laughs> nobody bothered. I guess it is a form of caffeine, but nobody bothered with coffee or anything like now. Almost every supplement pre-workout has got loaded with caffeine now. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, yeah, a lot of the supplement companies might not like to hear that combining creatine and caffeine might have an interference effect. But um, I also want to say that, yeah, caution is required based off that particular study and uh yeah definitely more research needs to be done like i said since i have been out of the game i like to come into these interviews with you experts as a blank slate so i remember something and i could be far off so hopefully they'll correct me on this but i remember something about some people misconstrued creatine as anabolic in the sense of helping most muscle protein synthesis but that's not really the game that it's after it's, it's a different type of game that's after lasting helping you last longer in your workouts and things of that nature and I guess my point to that is, and you can answer that too, but I guess my point is, does it have an effect overnight as well? Any anabolic effect? And then in that case, like casein protein, now they're showing some things that it helps because protein gets disseminated slowly or slower in your body than whey protein. But what's your take on that? How far off am I? 
<laughs> no, you're you're doing pretty good there. So okay. um, yeah, so creatine hasn't had any uh, doesn't have any direct effect on muscle protein synthesis. Hmm. It does have an impact on muscle protein breakdown, and it has an indirect effect on muscle protein synthesis. So there's a, it increases like IGF-1, which is an anabolic hormone. Um, the other thing it, that it does is it can increase uh, satellite cells as well. So satellite cells sit on the muscle membrane, and uh, when they get activated, they turn into myonuclei. And so if you uh, know about the muscle, it's a, it's a myonucleated tissue. And for the muscle to actually grow, you need to increase the number of nuclei within the muscle first. And so creatine can do that. It can actually uh, increase the, the number of nuclei, which is, which is pretty wow. cool. Yeah. And that seems to actually be associated with um, an increase in water retention. So when you bring creatine into the muscle, it actually brings water into the muscle that cre uh, creates a, a um, kind of pressure within the muscle and, and causes the muscle to swell. And that stimulates a cascade of events, which can lead to muscle hypertrophy over time. So it is well established that if you combine creatine, particularly with resistance training, that you can get bigger muscles. So it is like, it is anabolic in that um, sense, but you are correct that it doesn't directly stimulate muscle protein synthesis. Okay, that, that's good. All right. So I guess the bottom line is it does build muscle in a sense <laughs> indirectly, but okay, that's great. I think that's what everybody's looking for, I'm sure, for this thing. Um, excellent. Okay, so let's see. We got the creatine. We got the mixture with, with other supplements. I'm trying to think there was an Oh, you know, I, somebody mentioned this comment the other day, and I thought this was interesting. I can't remember. I don't know if it was Dr. Aragon or not. I can't remember who was. I don't know if it was him or not. Um, giving creatine to kids. Um, the person, I can't remember who it was, saying that, yeah, they don't see any problem with it. Uh, adolescents do really well off of it. Um, what's your take on that? Yeah, so I have uh, kind of, there's, again, kind of, multiple ways to approach this. So one is like your, the, the scientific way. Um, and one is like kind of a personal opinion for providing supplements to mm -hmm. kids. Um, so there are certain situations like uh, muscular uh, dystrophy or different uh, conditions where, yeah, maybe creatine could be a benefit. And from a clinical perspective, I'm perfectly fine with giving, you know, younger children or adolescents creatine in those particular situations. But uh, my personal opinion is uh, you should focus on the things that can probably have a bigger impact on muscle growth and performance. Things like, you know, getting good sleep, eating sufficient protein, um, training consistently and following a good training program. Like those are the things that are really going to make a difference. And I think that supplements can distract some of the kids um, from, you know, focusing on those, those big things that can actually make a difference. So that's uh, kind of one thing to, to consider. And then from a scientific standpoint, um, yeah, there, there's a, a growing body of literature. I believe there's 12 or 13 studies on the effects of creatine in adolescence. And it shows that creatine works. It can enhance uh, exercise adaptations. And it's perfectly safe um, for adolescents to consume creatine. And there's, 
There's also been studies in um, infants or really young wow. children um, being provided creatine. And again, it's, it's uh, safe in those particular situations. So there's no evidence that creatine is actually harmful to children. But uh, I, th I think it distracts children from um, kind of those, those really important things from a training perspective. I think I see some studies on a little bit different than what we're just talking about now, but I did see some studies on creatine and people with on chemotherapy who've lost a lot of weight trying to rebuild and at least maintain the mass. I thought that was fascinating how they're doing that. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's, yeah, yeah, there's definitely some clinical populations that I think uh, could uh, really benefit from creatine. And yeah, we know with uh, cancer, it's, you have cachexia, so a loss of muscle mass. So that's one area that uh, is, uh, yeah, I think where creatine could be a, a great benefit. Um, also following a stroke, for example, there could be a benefit to taking creatine um, as well or muscular dystrophy. There's, yeah, there's a variety of different uh, kind of clinical populations that I believe could really benefit from creatine supplementation. I can't be Pollyanna the whole entire time, so I have to ask this question, but the creatine, uh, it goes through the liver you mentioned earlier in the kidney. So is there a concern for people who have hepatic issues or kidney issues or people who take a lot of medications who maybe, I don't know how taking a lot of medications are working out, but anyway, um, anybody who does that, any concerns there at all with the liver or the kidneys? Yeah. So that's a great question. And in the recommended doses. So if you take a, between kind of that five to 10 grams per day mm. of creatine and you're a healthy individual, you have no concerns at all. Um, if you have pre-existing kidney disease, I would be a little bit cautious just because there's very limited research. But we also know that individuals on dialysis, um, they actually lower their creatine levels within their body through that dialysis process. And there's actually a study that's going on right now looking at the benefits of creatine supplementation in that particular uh, population because we know that creatine can enhance kind of muscle function and it could also improve uh, like brain function and a variety of other tissues as well. That uh, if you're going through dialysis and you're losing creatine from your body, that's not necessarily a good thing. So yeah. they're actually looking at creatine supplementation in those particular uh, individuals. So that research will be really, really interesting. And, and I'm going to keep a close eye on it because yeah, traditionally what I say is if somebody has pre, a pre-existing kidney disease, um, then to avoid creatine or go talk to your doctors. But just because we don't have a lot of good uh, evidence, but as the evidence grows and we do more research in those populations, maybe my opinion will change over time. I was wondering, have you seen anything with alcohol? I know it's going to be a bummer for a lot of people who like to drink, but. <laughs> yeah, so we know, well, what. I haven't seen any studies combining creatine with alcohol, um, but uh, <laughs> well, I mean, issues with like the kidneys or the, or the liver, because sometimes people drink and does it, does it, I don't know if it's enough to cause any problems there at all. Yeah. So the alcohol could definitely cause problems. Um, and we also know that alcohol, um, at least in a, in a fairly high dose of alcohol can impair muscle protein synthesis as well. So if you're, again, you're trying to maximize gains and get really big muscles, then, um, drinking excessive alcohol is, is going to be detrimental from, from that standpoint. Um, but enough. yeah, the interaction with uh, creatine and alcohol, um, I'm not too sure of any studies that have ever been published 
I'm looking at, yeah, the interaction effect. You know, it's interesting. I had a conversation a couple of weeks ago. Nice guy, Dr. Baker. Uh, he believes in the carnivore code. I think oh, I forgot what his name, his book is. Um, but anyway, we were talking about it and he was telling me he eats like three to four pounds of steak a day. And I'm thinking, holy capoy. Then it dawned on me. And I said, are you even taking a creatine supplement? And he goes, he said, yeah, he does. But then he's kind of wondering, should I even take as much as I'm taking? He's kind of looking at me or he's a big guy too. He's huge, like 240. But I guess my question to you, two questions, but the first one would be, if you're eating that kind of amount of steak, which I'm sure is very rare, but if you're eating three to five pounds of steak a day, <laughs> what do you do with that? You think? Yeah, you so, uh, that's, that's definitely a lot of steak that <laughs> that individual is consuming. Um, yeah. we actually know that, yeah, creatine is contained in foods, but it's in relatively low concentrations in foods. Hmm. And so a lot of, I think the reason why creatine supplementation has been so effective in the literature is not everyone, but nearly everyone responds positively to creatine. So there might be a few outliers like that individual is consuming a huge amount of, of red meat um, and they might not respond to creatine supplementation. So there's actually a, a really cool study where they looked at responders and non-responders to creatine. Oh. And they found that how much creatine you had in your muscles to begin with determined whether you're how much you would actually respond to creatine. So somebody who's consuming a lot of meat, for example, they would probably have more creatine in their muscles than somebody who's consuming less amount of meat in their diet or vegetarian. And uh, so they might be less responsive to creatine supplementation. And the other factor too is uh, your fiber types. So if you had more type two muscle fibers, those are your, like your fast, twitch, explosive bodybuilders have a lot of fast, fast twitch or type two muscle fibers, they tend to be more responsive to creatine supplementation than those with type one muscle fibers, like slow twitch or endurance athletes. Marathon runners, types like that. Yeah, exactly. Fascinating. That's interesting. So is it also hereditary in a sense? I mean, do you have a genetic predisposition to respond badly or, or good to it? Yeah. So that's a great question as well. Um, we know that genetics influences uh, fiber types. And uh, you can also influence mm. fiber types by uh, training as well, or through other factors. Um, so that was one thing that's kind of changed over the past 15 or 20 years is we thought whatever <laughs> fiber types you were actually born with, that's, that was your fiber type distribution for your entire life. But uh, oh. we now know that your fiber types can shift in one direction, either towards fast twitch or the other direction towards slow twitch depending on the type of training that you're doing. Um, so that's probably going to have an influence on it. So your genetics based off of kind of what you were born with, with fiber types. Um, and there could also be a few other genetic uh, polymorphisms that could influence creatine adaptation, but there isn't uh, solid evidence to, uh, to look at some of those uh, genotypes with regards to uh, creatine responsiveness. So a wild shot here, but so epigenetics could play a role in a sense because you could change it with your workout routine. Let's say over a decade, switch it to this, and then you would become a, you can go from a non-responder to a responder. Yeah, in theory, that uh, definitely <laughs> could crazy. happen. So that's nuts. All right, <laughs> whatever. That's crazy stuff. Yeah, I thought it was a peculiar question. It's like again, I haven't encountered anybody that had that kind of amount of meat. 
And um, I'm sure there's probably more out there now with, with the carnivore diet getting some traction out there. Yeah, um, or the reverse with uh, with a plant-based diet. So a lot of people are consuming, you know, are going vegan or vegetarian and consuming a higher plant-based diet. And we know that that's, you know, really healthy. And I would encourage people to consume lots of fruits and vegetables. Um, but uh, heading that direction, one of the limitations is that you're going to get uh, less amount of creatine in your, in, your, uh, in your diet. And again, with all the benefits of creatine, that could be um, something to consider. And I actually was at a, a, a creatine conference, which is pretty cool. I got pretty excited about that. <laughs> but uh, there was an individual there that was talking about um, um, adding creatine to, to foods. So they've been approved to add creatine to um, food products, uh, specifically plant-based food products, so oh, that wow. um, people on these plant-based diets can actually get more creatine in their diet. Now, can you only get creatine from meat or can it be from anything? Yeah, so it's mainly from seafood, red meat, and chicken. Those are the three. Which one? Yeah. The steak is, I'm assuming the steak is the highest or? Um, actually, heron. So the fish. Heron, really? Yeah. So you, if you want to get five grams of creatine from heron, you'd have to consume uh, just over a pound of heron every single day. That's possible. <laughs> now I, you, I wouldn't do it but yeah it's uh for some people it might be possible is the bioavailability the same you think or is it different would you, what do um, you think i know it's a guess probably i'm not sure if they studied it but yeah so I, i'm not 100 percent sure i wonder if cooking that, kills that, it so it will reduce it a little bit um okay. and so they've looked like on those products where they combine creatine with those like uh plant-based burgers for example and they cooked those burgers to see the impact on creatine. And they reported about a 10% reduction on the availability of, of creatine. So you can cook it. It's fine. Um, it's going to have a, a small impact, but you're still going to get more creatine into you versus uh, if you didn't supplement or fortify that food with creatine. So a pound and a quarter. Heron <laughs> to be safe in case you start dropping. That's yeah, or just huh? supplement, just get a supplement. That's <laughs> why I think uh, um, this white powder is so effective and, and so useful is because it's, it's actually quite difficult to get enough in your diet. So if you wanted to do it from salmon, for example, that's another great source of creatine, you'd have to consume about two and a half pounds of salmon. If you wanted to do it with beef, um, it would be about 3.3 uh, pounds of beef per day that you'd have to consume. So there are extreme examples um, where people do consume those types of diets, but I definitely wouldn't recommend that. And it's probably not healthy over the long term. So it's Man. probably better just to supplement with that white powder and get creatine monohydrate. Well, it's interesting because you can always, I guess, you know, if you're, if you're going to go get fish somewhere, you can look for herring and salmon, <laughs> try to boost up a little extra creatine under your supplementation. Yeah, absolutely. That's fascinating. Crazy stuff. That's for sure. I never would have expected it. So I guess to summarize, as we get ready to wrap up, um, some of the highlights was, as you mentioned, uh, relativity in the sense of weight and creatine dosage. You said probably one of the best options. Uh, Crea Pure is one of the best ones you said from Germany. There's a lot of products. And I was looking as you were talking, I was listening, but looking and I see a lot of products that have that Crea Pure logo on there, as you mentioned as well. 
uh, ingesting it with carbs was the other thing you mentioned. Um, and then doesn't matter if it's before, during, or after the workout, doesn't seem to have an impact. Nothing seems to nullify or mitigate the, the effects with anything else. It doesn't seem like, except for caffeine, possibly. <laughs> yeah. So we don't get the coffee industry upset. Um, I'm trying to think what else was another highlight. Well, yeah, the, the other highlight was the, uh, Obviously, the um, no difference between HCL, which is not going to make other people happy either, uh, and regular creatine monohydrate. Anything else that you see on the horizon coming up in uh, tests that you look at going, this could be interesting? Anything like that? Yeah, so I think uh, the impact of creatine on, on brain function is definitely an emerging area of research. So if you supplement with creatine, you can increase the amount of creatine within your brain. Um, it might require a slightly higher dose. We need to do a good dose response study to look at the impacts of creatine on, on brain function. But there is some um, evidence that it can enhance a variety of different cognitive domains. So that's kind of a, a cool area of research. Yeah. There's also some evidence that it could be neuroprotective, at least in animal models, from a, a traumatic brain injury or a concussion. Oh, wow. So there's a few researchers around the world that are. Uh, going to start collaborating and looking at uh, can creatine actually help with either following a concussion to help with recovery or perhaps, uh, you know, minimize the impact of a concussion if you take creatine before. Um, so there's pretty cool research in that area. And we know that yeah. uh, creatine um, is in your brain is lower in uh Alzheimer's disease, for example. So maybe it can have an impact on creatine, on energy metabolism within your brain and in those populations. So I don't know. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot to, uh, <laughs> to kind of research these days and a lot of kind of interesting questions with regards to creatine supplementation. And now that led me to one extra question, but yeah, I know a lot of things are synergistic. We're, I'm starting to see that a lot more in different disciplines, especially in neuroscience. I saw a lot of it where they used to say it's just one brain structure where they focus on the amygdala, the hippocampus, whatever. But now they're saying, well, you know, actually we have to look at that circuit. We have to look at the communication between these structures. But I'm also seeing a lot of that interaction, right? They used to say calcium, but oh, wait, you actually need vitamin D with the calcium to be able to maximize it. You know, everything works synergistically. Is there anything that works synergistically with creatine? Yeah. So I think combining creatine with carbohydrates can Just enhance. Um, and we also know that combining mm -hmm. creatine with protein as well can also uh, be better than just either protein alone or just creatine alone. And so I think that synergistic effect is, is really important from a muscle perspective. So I always joke with uh, other researchers out there that you know creatine is the king of supplements and the protein researchers are always really get upset at me. Um, <laughs> they think you know protein's more important, but in reality, I think combining creatine and protein together is probably gonna create the best environment especially for muscle adaptations. That is a golden ticket, I think, for sure. Well, again, folks, we're talking to Dr. Scott Forbes. You can find him on Instagram at Scott underscore Forbes, F-O-R-B-E-S underscore PhD. So Scott underscore Forbes underscore PhD. You can also find him at Brandon University. You can go look him up, type in uh, Dr. Scott Forbes, Brandon University. You'll see his profile there. Uh, his email, if you like it, is Forbes, S at Brandon, U dot C-A and check that out. Dr. Forbes, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. It was a fascinating conversation. I truly appreciate it. Hey, folks, thank you for listening. Make sure to share, subscribe, hit that like button, and check out some creatine if you're not on it. Talk to you soon.